Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Haldis Gunderson of Christiansen, Norway, wondered if she had experienced a miracle one weekend. Uh, she had a lie-in and then got, to, got up to make breakfast for herself and her husband. Uh, she put the crumpets under the grill and she uh, got the coffee pot, uh, walked to the sink and turned on the, on the tap to fill the kettle. Instead of uh, water coming out, she discovered beer flowing into her sink. Her husband was delighted. <laughs> Two flights below her apartment in the local tavern, another miracle had taken place. The patrons were dis uh, dismayed and surprised to discover that what filled their pint glasses from the beer taps was not the finest ale, but plain ordinary water. Apparently, a confused local plumber had hooked up the beer lines to the water pipes in the Gunderson's apartment. A local beer distributor came and helped fix the problem. He helped the bartenders properly reconnect the pipes. And as you can imagine, uh, the local media loved the story, and he was interviewed on television. He said this, The water and the beer pipes do touch each other, but you have to be really creative to connect them together. As a church, we're involved in a sermon series at the moment called uh, Frontline. And we're trying to be uh, creative in connecting uh, together two separate uh, spheres of our life, which touch, but we're not often sure how they match together. Our Christian Sunday faith life and our Monday to Saturday ordinary uh, working life or life at home. How can we make creative connections between the two? I want to think this morning just briefly about the fact that God is where we are. That story of Jacob's encounter with God is one of my uh, favorite stories in the Bible. I preached on this uh, not too long ago. I'm not going to tread over the same ground today. It's one of the key stories of the Jewish scriptures uh, and the books that we as Christians refer to as the Old Testament. Jacob is one of the patriarchs, and his life is at a low ebb. He's estranged from his family. He's in a foreign land. He's in exile, in a sense. He fears for his life, and God is very distant. His future is uncertain. Exhausted, he falls down to sleep, a stone for a pillow, and he dreams a dream. And in that dream, the Lord of heaven and earth appears to him and assures him that he is not forgotten, that he is not alone, that God knows exactly where he is, and the spot where he is laid down to sleep is in fact a gateway to heaven. I love Jacob's response when he wakes up. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Another of the greats of Israel, King David wrote in the words of Psalm 139, 
Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you and the night will shine like the noonday sun. I wonder if those of you who would call yourselves Christians who are regulars here at St. Giles, I wonder how you think of your Monday to Saturday life, your ordinary everyday life, your working life, at the place where you spend most of your time, in the staff room, in the workshop, on the factory floor, in the kitchen, wherever it may be. Is that place a gateway to heaven for you? Could that place be a gateway to heaven? The Bible is full of people meeting God in extraordinary and ordinary places and situations. He meets Moses in a burning bush. He meets Elijah not in a whirlwind, but in a whisper in the doorway to a cave. Jesus meets Zacchaeus while he's halfway up a tree. He encounters a, a woman at the well come to draw water, going about her daily household tasks. Peter meets the Lord at his workplace, a fishing boat moored on a beach. Mary Magdalene goes looking for Jesus. She seeks him in a tomb and is surprised to discover him standing behind her. In fact, most of the encounters we read about in the Bible and in the life of Jesus occur in ordinary, everyday places. Matthew Henry, an old Bible commentator, said this, No place excludes divine visits. They don't in Bible times and they don't uh, today. There are many incredible stories of the places where people encounter God in our land and in lands around the world in our day. Encounter God in prisons, in schools, in homes, in workplaces, in squash courts, in pubs and fields. It still happens. Surely the Lord is in this place, but I was not aware of it. Last week I told you a story about my son. This week I'll tell you about a story about my daughter. Uh, I have a teenage daughter the same age as Emma, one of Emma's friends. And uh, this week she surprised me by asking me a question she's never asked me before. It wasn't a deep theological question. It was, Dad, can I have a screwdriver? (laughs) And as every father knows, there is only one acceptable answer to that question. That is, of course, what do you need a screwdriver for? She said, I need to change some batteries in my radio. And I said, that's fine. Uh, The screwdrivers are in a case in the cupboard in the utility room. I said, what cupboard? I said, in the cupboard in the utility room. Where? I said, in the cupboard in the utility room over the washing machine. And she looked at me completely blankly. 
So I did that kind of exasperated thing. Right, come on, I will show you. And I marched her through the house and we marched into the utility room and I I proudly displayed uh, the cupboard above the uh, washing machine in the utility room. There's a kind of chorus of heavenly angels and a kind of light shone. And she looked at it in amazement. And she said, I never knew that was there. I said, you're 15, you've lived in this house for 11 years. We'd gone on from the screwdriver now. You've lived in this house for 11 years. How do you not know that this cupboard is here? She said, I've never needed it. Never needed it. Surely the Lord is in this place, yet I was not aware of it. At the end of our service today on the um, uh, welcome desk the, by the doors where you came in, we have some postcards. It's the, the day for postcards today. Uh, they're these postcards. They're for everybody who'd like to take one uh, to take away. And they've got three, uh, three words on the front. Presence, pressure, purpose. And three questions on the back. And they're, they're for you to take away and uh, think about, pray about, uh, just meditate on. If you're a member of a home group here at St. Giles, these are questions that you could use in your home group this week. And the first question is about God's presence. God's presence in your Monday to Friday life. How do you experience God's presence with you there? The Lord is in that place, but you might not know it. So the first question is about God's presence. The second question is about pressure. What are the pressure points for you as a Christian in your Monday to Friday life. Let me give you some suggestions as where those those pressure points could be, those those awkward places, those uh, difficult moments in your your life as a Christian. The reason that perhaps you don't tell people that you go to church, or this morning you've not told them that you're coming to a, a baptism service when they ask them what you're doing over the weekend. Maybe your pressure points are people. A generation ago, if you told people you were active in uh, church, that you were a Christian, uh, many of them would have thought that was admirable, if perhaps not for them. Not that long ago, it might be thought of as quaint, uh, a little bit odd, but, but harmless nonetheless. Our culture is rapidly changing. Rapidly changing its response to religion in all its forms, rapidly changing in its response to Christians. I feel this as a, as a Christian leader. I know you feel it in the workplace too. It's not uncommon for those with firm Christian convictions to be viewed with suspicion. Perhaps a kind of low-level hostility. For some, our views, our convictions are dangerous. And so, some of you may be wary of saying anything about your faith or the fact that you have a faith Uh, because of the people that are there in your workplace. Or maybe it's the culture of where you work. The people are lovely, they're warm, they're open-minded, they're accepting of all views and all faiths, but the the culture is a really difficult one uh, to live and work as a person of faith. This was my experience when I, uh, before I was a vicar, when I worked uh, for Channel 4. To be honest with you, people on the whole couldn't care less that I was a Christian. What was an issue was that when we went on sales conferences, I didn't want to join in the drinking games that were kind of 
part and parcel of what went on there. I didn't want to, in the words of the time, get wasted with everybody else. So the psalm is slightly holier than thou. Difficult and different. The people were great, but the culture was hard to navigate. Or maybe a pressure point for you is the ethics of your job. The ethics involved in your role. Just yesterday I was talking to a member of this church and they were telling me about the, the work that they do and sharing the tension that they feel as a Christian in their workplace. They work in an area of scientific research. And the fruits of that research could be used for great good. It has a great potential to improve the lives of many. But it also potentially could cause great harm. Their research could be twisted and used in uh, uh, disturbing ways. And they feel the responsibility of that as a Christian, wanting to live a life that is open and obedient to God. So there's another question on this card about the the pressure points for you as a Christian. Could it be the people? Could it be the culture? Could it be the ethics? That's not to be judgmental. It's just to kind of ask yourself the question, what is going on for me in the place where I feel uncomfortable, the place where I feel awkward as a Christian? And what do you do with those pressure points? What do you do with those burdens? Well, the Bible gives us two instructions. One is to share them with each other. Paul writes in Galatians, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Carry each other's loads. And Jesus invites us to give them to him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says following him is easy and his burden is light. And so if we feel burdened down, perhaps it's because we're carrying too much on our shoulders and not giving over to him. And the third question on here is to do with purpose. We've had presence, we've had pressure, and the last one is purpose. What might be God's purposes for you? God's purposes for you in the place where he has set you. God's purposes for you in your Monday to Friday life, your 98% of your life where you're not in church and you're not talking to me or somebody wearing one of these collars. How can you live as a citizen of his kingdom in the place where he has set you? Uh, So I used to work in advertising and um, I was married at the time, uh, I still am, uh, to Sally. (laughs) And uh, we would go to parties, we would meet people, don't do so much of that these days. We would go to parties and we would meet people and you meet new people and they always ask you what you do. And they would ask Sally what she did at the time. She was working as a social worker. She said, I work as a social worker, I work in child protection, I look after uh, vulnerable people, uh, particularly vulnerable children. And then they'd say to me, oh, what do you do? And I say, I work in advertising. And they kind of look a bit blank and they say, oh, right, so like, do you write campaigns and do you write adverts? Do you come with those witty posters? 
I say, no, I, I sell the advertising breaks in between the programs that you watch that kind of get in the way of the program. They go, oh, right. And they turn to Sally and say, so tell me a bit more about what it is that you do. <laughs> it's difficult to see how you're working for the greater good when you work in advertising. It's difficult to see how uh, God's purposes are being uh, worked out when you're booking adverts for shampoo in the middle of the Channel 4 News. Maybe some of you feel that here this morning. We've got doctors here, we've got nurses here, we've got teachers here, we've got lawyers here, we've got social workers here. They're fabulous, those people, aren't they? They've got really meaningful, purposeful jobs. They're making a difference in the world. They're healing people and educating people and supporting people and fighting for justice and for truth. What about those people who just have jobs? What about those people? What about those people who, you know, work in painting and decorating? Or are electricians? Or work in a care home? or on the factory floor, or serve coffee. Have those people here as well. Where are God's purposes for them in their job as well? What if you haven't got a job? For whatever reason it may be, what then? Where's your vacation as a Christian then? I wrestled with this for three years, uh, selling advertising. As I said, I worked with good, good people uh, in a great job, one which had its pressure points for, for sure, but one in which I was uh, broadly happy. I struggled with kind of my purpose, my role there as a Christian. And then at the end of three years, I handed in my resignation uh, to go and train to be a vicar. Had to work a month's notice and in that month, I suddenly had an insight into the reason that perhaps God had placed me in that place. I suddenly found out that there was a reason that God had set me there. And it wasn't that he wanted me to become really good at selling advertising, although I was, I was quite good. It was so I could get to know a whole load of different people. People who didn't know a single Christian in their family, or in their workplace, in their sports club, in their gym, among their friends and their acquaintances. In that last month, all sorts of people, some I knew well, some I hardly knew at all, would in a quiet moment come and have a chat with me, come and catch me by the water cooler, wonder if I had time for a coffee. They would ask me, I hear you're going to be a vicar. Why are you doing that? How did you become a Christian? What does it mean for you to be making this step at this time? I saw that there was a reason that God had placed me in that place. I'm going to close by uh, showing a film. It's a film I've uh, shown before, but it was a while ago. It's a film uh, that I like because it's about an ordinary guy uh, doing an ordinary job, but trying to do that job as a Christian and serve an extraordinary God in the place where God has set him.
find that a lot of people have expectations of mechanics, that they're uh, swindlers, they, they're cheats, um, they fool people into doing things that don't need to be done. We're really trying uh, to change the whole feeling people have about mechanics, uh, that they are trustworthy, they do care about your car, they do care about you, they want it to be safe, they want it to be reliable. And, uh, and I hope we're accomplishing that in the way we treat people. Hi, it's a great morning here at Zalooms. This is George, can I help you? When I became a Christian, I went into the pizza business and then um, into real estate. And while I was in real estate, I was doing deals all over the world. But then uh, everything fell apart and we lost everything. And um, the only thing I had left was a quilt, uh, a automotive business that I had started and I took over the business. And I was at church one day and a friend, a good friend of mine was introducing me to his father for the first time. And his father said to me, Oh, you are the mechanic. And I looked at him, and in my mind, I'm going international real estate, uh, money. And then I just looked at him, and I said, yes, I'm the mechanic. I started realizing, this is where God has me right now. If something changed, something will change. But um, I've got to change my attitude there's a purpose in being here. And as that purpose became more clear on uh, reaching people, talking to people, realizing that there was no separation, what I did at work and what I did at church were the same thing. I'm here to do His will, not my own, and not for my purpose, but for His. Um, so I really started liking it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Have a great day. Keys are in it. Stickers on. You're all set to drive. Thank you so much. Okay. God bless. There has to be joy in this. God promised joy. He didn't just promise it at home and at church. You know, he didn't promise financial wealth, but he did promise joy. And if you can't find it eight hours a day, there's something wrong. And it may just be that you don't know to call on him. I need more than this. Lord, give me, give me joy. This is where God has me. You know, I could be in a prison in Iraq singing hymns unto the Lord because I was preaching the gospel, but I'm here. I, I love what I'm doing right now. And, and God has me here and it provides a, uh, a benefit to people and it's just working out well. So as I say, these cars will be there on the back as you go. Do take them. I've got enough for everybody and uh, something for you to think about um, this week. I'm going to pray as I pray. Ask Dave and the band to come up and then Dave's going to lead us in a song again. Uh, so Father, we pray you'd help us to make the connections between our kind of work lives and our faith life, between heaven 
and earth. Lord, we pray that you reveal the places that you're at work in our lives and that you reveal yourself afresh to us. That we would all discover you for the thousandth time or for the first time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.